0: Welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Master is here and you still have not taken off your shoes. living every day to define man's mission yeah. looking to the sky for divine transmission yeah. deaf man's vision makes the blind man listen yeah. eyes on the prize this is blind ambition, blind ambition. thank you ambition. yo welcome to another edition of the dojo talk podcast you are tuned in to episode number 65 uh just wanted to do an intro for this episode real quick we had a special episode uh all thanks impossible to the big homie stokes <laughs> who uh kind of kind of coordinated this on a whim uh he hit me up while i was at work and we we just kind of ran with it Uh we managed to scramble up this interview and it, it turned out really dope man um we interviewed current titan fc bantamweight and flyweight champion jose shorty torres um for those who don't know uh jose's been uh been out here for a while especially these these last last year or so man he's kind of been on a tear he is currently i want to say six and zero. um he has a fight coming up next month in february um also that'll be on titan fc um so if you have fight pass um you can check that out uh titan fc is on fight pass they broadcast all their cards so if you want to check them out um you can watch the fight on there but yeah man this, this is really talented fighter um if you haven't gotten a chance To Check him out if we don't know much about him I will leave links in the description below To his highlight reel to his website so you can see what he's about Um, As far as the interview, um, we got a chance to Really dive deep into everything, man We pretty much covered his career from the beginning From his wrestling days to his pretty extensive amateur career um, To him now being a pro um, His running Titan FC, capturing two titles, defending two titles Um, We also go through Kind of his relationship with the UFC and how that's going, and kind of the back and forth they've had. Once you listen to the the interview, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, talk about like his fighting style, pretty much everything, man. We really covered the entire gamut <laughs> of you know his career, pretty much from the beginning up until now, man. He he has a lot of good stories, um, stories about some of his training partners. Uh, one one in particular. I'm pretty sure you guys will um enjoy that he mentions but yeah man this, this is a really awesome interview once again uh, big ups to the homie stokes who uh reached out to jose on instagram and he <laughs> just asked him would he like to be on the show he said yes stokes hit me up and we made it happen so yeah man th- th- this was an awesome interview um easily our, our biggest guest that we've ever had on this show So once again, shout out to Jose Shorty Torres, awesome guest, awesome fighter, and yeah, I'm I'm really glad this this came together the way it did. So pretty much all three of us, along with the Antico and Stokes, we all asked some questions, picked his brain, and it, it ended up being just a really really good episode. So without further ado, I'll shut up. You guys just just listen to the episode. I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it, and if you don't know. Who Jose Shorty Torres is now. You will after this episode. Um, But yeah man. I hope you guys enjoy. And thanks again for listening. Peace. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. We are on episode number 65. It is a cold cold day on the east coast uh we got a, a special show lined up uh first usual suspects uh Antaku, what's going on man uh not much just living i'm tired it's cold so. <laughs> and stokes who i feel like out of all of us is probably in the warmest weather uh <laughs> what's, what's going on man uh,
1: man i didn't know 50 was cold <laughs> it was
2: warm i mean
0: Man, y- y'all, y'all are lucky. Um, I would kill for fifty right now. We're we're currently at twenty. It's gonna be nine by the time tonight comes. Not not looking forward to it. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, t- today, awesome episode. Uh, we're making history once again. Uh, our first like official, official, super official guest. Um, I don't even know how to introduce this gentleman. Um. A number of accolades, including current Titan FC, Bantamweight, and Flyweight champion. Um, not only is he a champion in both of those weight classes, he has defended both of these belts. Um, yeah, man, With without further ado, uh, Jose Shorty Torres, how's it going, man?
3: What's up, man? I'm alive. I can't
0: complain. <laughs> <laughs> we, we appreciate you for, for doing that. I was actually watching... Uh, Watching some of your fights earlier. Shout out to UFC Fight Pass. Um, I, I signed up for the seven-day trial, so I actually have been using that to watch uh all of your Titan fights. Um, yeah, man, you've for people who don't know or haven't seen you fight. Um, I, I I could describe it myself, but how how would you describe your your fighting style?
3: Um, man, I'm a I'm a little scrapper. you know. I I like to put on a show, whether it's not it's uh you know submission or TKO or or going the distance, you know, if you ever used to watch Manny Pacquiao back in the day, that's that's probably my biggest role model when it comes to fighting. He was always putting on the show, whether he was winning, losing, or whatever the case may be, he just pushed forward and kept on going, and you always wanted to see him again. So, that's uh, I think that's probably one of the best ways to describe my fighting style.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely accurate. Um, every time I watch you fight, I'm just kind of amazed at how you're just in people's face the entire time. Like, you seem not to, <laughs> you don't give them much room to breathe. Or like process what's kind of going on. You're just kind of in their face the entire time.
3: Well, see, that's a hundred percent accidental. It's it's <laughs> funny because everyone, everyone, dude, everyone tells me that. They're like, dude, you're always in their face. You're always walking forward. Like you don't give up. I was like, dude, no one ever taught me to walk backwards.
2: Like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> no one, no one. Like all the fights I watch, you know, and all the you know my favorite fighters, mainly Manny Pacquiao, was very, very forward. Mainly in the beginning of his career was, you know, hit and get hit. He was He was the complete opposite of Mayweather. You know, so he was always blocking with his face. He was always dropping people. He was just pushing forward, pushing forward because he didn't know anything else. And that's that's pretty much my style. Like even in practice now, like I'm still trying to learn how to just move backwards because you know it's 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 a different game now.
0: Uh, I mean, so far I guess it's working. Uh, what are you six six and zero? Oh? <laughs> so you know yeah. it's 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 working so far um i wanted to start off though actually talking about um your amateur career because i, I actually didn't know this about you before um your amateur career was very very extensive um a, a lot of people i see you know maybe they'll, they'll have like four or five amateur fights and then you know make the jump to pro and you've had about 20 plus amateur fights am i correct
3: yeah, uh, 20 plus in MMA, 50 plus in kickboxing, and Muay Thai, uh, hundreds of wrestling, and, and just you know so many different things. So it's it it builds my resume, man. It's, it's kind of like a job application. You know, the guy with the biggest resume is gonna get, usually is gonna be the one that gets the job. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me it was yeah. You know, my coach told me two things. One, I had a full ride to school, uh, McKenzie University for wrestling and my academics. So he's like well, one thing is you're going to get your uh, degree first before you turn professional. I don't want you to worry about turning pro anytime soon. Go go get your bachelor's degree first. Get your degree so just in case you get hurt or whatever the case may be. Maybe you're just not that good. You have something to fall back on. And then two, you know, it's you don't want to be a big fish in a little pond. You want to be the big fish out of all the ponds. And that's pretty much what I decided to do. And, you know, I became a two-time world champion, amateur as well. And even with those accolades, no one's ever done it before. So, I, I felt that was the, the best time to turn professional
0: was it was it hard this entire time like because obviously you know you know you, you have the talent at that time you probably could have went pro easily was uh, it a hard time to be like you know all right I'm going to focus on school did you have really just have an itch to fight or were you really just like focused on all right I'm just going to do the school thing I'm going to push everything else to the side so I can have the fallback? back
3: well, I was, I was definitely still fighting during school. Um, and that was that was a big thing is that, like, I'd go to class. I'd go to wrestling practice. Later on in the day, I'd go to MMA practice and then go home and do whatever studies I had to do. So, I mean, I multitasked I as much as possible. And it you know, it, was, it was definitely strenuous, but I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, in a sense the sense, the pro contracts, money and all that stuff that I have to worry about now, it was just, you know, helping, you know, UFC fighters at the time when I'm an amateur – Get them ready for their next UFC fights or their UFC debuts or whatever the case may be. So uh, it was it was honestly a really cool learning experience, but it, it got me ready to help me become the person I am today.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting because when I when I saw that I was like, man, it's crazy that he just he fought for that long, but apparently it definitely worked. <laughs> it, it definitely. Yeah, well, uh... you
3: know, it, it definitely was different because I mean, like you said, you see so many guys that go four or five, maybe even ten and zero. And the only problem is they go 10 and 0 in New York, or they only go 10 and 0 in Florida, Chicago, where I'm from. And then they go to Missouri to make their pro debut. And well, they lose to the big fish, that's, that's in Missouri. You know, for me, I did maybe five to 10 fights in Chicago and eventually started hopping from state to state, getting different looks, you know, doing different promotions. And eventually, you know, I I started to reach, you know, different type of, uh, tournaments. And I was able to travel worldwide and, and compete, you know, against the world pretty much. And, uh, you know, I was able to face pretty much pro-level guys at the amateur ranks, and again, it's practice makes perfect. And uh, you know, I wanted to be better respected as a pro. And it, you go five ten and zero, I think that's a great record, but everyone does it. You go twenty five and one, that's very unheard of, and people are going to respect you for it.
0: Definitely. And um, I'll I'll do one more question before I hand it off to a co-host and let you guys uh have at it. Um, well, last thing I wanted to ask: How? So this time, you know, you're still pretty young. How is your family handling this, that you're in school, but you're also fighting at the same time? Oh,
3: man, they were, <laughs> my my parents didn't even really care about school. I think my mother was the, the only one that was like, yeah, good for you, get your degree, you know, you'd be the first to graduate college. But my, my dad and my brother, I mean, they were always fighting growing up. You know, my dad's biggest thing was he wanted to be a fighter. I'm just I'm so happy he never had the opportunity to, you know, join the gym or have the money to do so for me. He, I've been in martial arts, I was four years old, so they've been literally grooming, you know, me in this career for all my life. Uh, this is, I'm not saying it's all I know because I do have my degree, but it's pretty much the, the thing that my
0: parents made me for. That's awesome. Because I, yeah, I would imagine, I would think if my parents, they, they probably would have, <laughs> they would have pulled me out of that so fast. But yeah, that's awesome that you, you know, you had that, um, you had that Dude, kind of su- support system. Well, it's
3: great it's crazy because you know everyone's like oh man and you know how's your mother or father feel about this i think you know fighting scary i'm like man they're the ones screaming the most and you know in the crowd (laughs) punch them
2: my
3: parents are vicious like my mom my family's tiny you know my my nickname shorty everyone's nickname is shorty in the family my dad is like five four my height and my mom is four eight but she is the toughest one out of all of us you know so you know it's Everyone has been known to just fight in my family. I'm the only one to do it professionally, or should I say, legally. So, uh, you know, it's it's you know, it's a cool thing to have my family uh, really prepare me for this. But every time I get hurt, I'm like, Mom, Dad, this is your fault. Oh, I'm
2: so <laughs> sorry. Oh, can you cook some food for me, please? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Uh, Asako, you, uh, I'll let you guys get some get some questions off. All
2: right.
4: Um. Uh. First off, Shorty, thanks for coming on. Yeah. No problem. Um. Uh. Question. Um. You competed in the uh the IMMAF. Um. I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, how how did that come together? Like, when they approached you with like this idea of this big international amateur tournament? Uh, from- yeah, man. It's it's definitely uh.
3: That was different. That was the pretty much the pro level guys at the amateur <laughs> ranks. So, you have to first compete at the national level, which is the UMAF, the UMMAF, United States Mixed Martial Arts Federation. And uh, every country has their own federation. And pretty much you fight three times in one week. And if you win the tournament, you represent Team USA at the World Tournament, which at the time when I won it twice, it was held in Vegas at uh, the UFC Expo. Live on UFC Fight Pass, and it was the day before um, the big, you know, the very, very big event, like uh, DC Jones before it got canceled, uh, Conor Gregor Mendez, stuff like that. So it was cool, man. You know, everyone's watching it. It, it got you ready for a couple of things one, pro level guys, and two, the crowd, because you had thousands of people just watching you because they're at the, it's, it's in the middle of the UFC Expo, you know, so everyone's just stopping and watching you. But I won the tournament, which was extremely, extremely hard because you fight three times in one week. I get to Worlds, and you're fighting the national champ of their respective country. So you know everyone's good. It's not like oh this guy's a scrub or this guy's this, this guy's that. And the worst part about it is you have no clue who you're fighting and what style they use. You know, every country is completely different, and every country had their their shining star. You know, so it was it was definitely uh you know a little. A little nerve-wracking in the beginning, you know I had to face I think the first year was uh, Romania, Finland, um, Romania, Finland, UK and Ukraine. I only had four fights. I had to buy the first round, my bracket was a little smaller, and every opponent was very, very different. And you know I was able to win worlds the first year and I wanted to be a professional because I thought that was you know the, the best thing I could possibly do. And my coach was like, "No, you know, uh, I want you to get your bachelor's degree first. Win Worlds the second year and then you know go at it and honestly I was like no 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 what if I lose and then I'm gonna feel like I have to do it again or or I got lucky the first time and well, oh you know, I ended up winning it again a lot more dominantly the second year I fought UK in the rematch I fought Belgium I fought uh, Northern Ireland which was funny because. He acted just like Conor McGregor, so that was really cool. Um, so, <laughs> uh, like, because I was rooting for Chad Mendes in that fight, so I was just like, I'll be Chad Mendes. I'll just wrestle this guy. Next. I choked him <laughs> out. So I was like, This is awesome. Come on, Chad Mendes. If I can do it, you can do it. And then, um, and then I fought Kazakhstan in the finals, and and it's it's yeah, you know, I was the first ever two-time world champ to do it, and uh, first ever two-time consecutive world champ. So it was it was definitely uh, a cool thing. But I can tell you, the first year was definitely nerve wracking because. You're just not used to it. You're put into a situation where it's just nothing but studs, you know. And I ended up, you know, somehow being the best one. The second year, I ended up dominating even more. So it was, it was definitely, uh, it, it definitely was a life-changing experience. It's it's our version of the Olympics. Yeah, you know, uh, we need we need 70 countries. We're almost there. Yeah, you know, so it's it's definitely growing much much faster.
4: And, and that's actually the next question I was going to ask you. Um, the I it was the I can't remember the man's name, um, but the 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 president of the IMMAF um, mentioned that he wanted to get MMA in the Olympics by the year 2028. Um, uh, do do you think? Because um, I, I think Dana White even mentioned it that the only way amateur MMA would ever be like, legitimized is if it it got itself into the Olympics. And I'm wondering like, how. Uh, do, you, do you like agree with that te- like with that mindset?
3: Yeah, man. You know, it's I, I believe it's Kareth Brown and there's there's another guy who who uh, run the IMUF. I mean, we're we're probably at seventy plus countries already. It's just being able to like, get these guys to come consecutively in the paperwork and, and and filling out everything. It's I mean, we've grown. I think the first year we're forty countries deep or thirty eight around there. The second year ended up having around fifty or sixty and that's just been growing every single year where competitors are coming back from, you know, they might have lost the very first year, and four years later, they're still competing in the IMF just to, to, you know, get a gold medal and and receive the same accolades I was able to get because people are starting to realize that I've become the forerunner of amateur MMA where they see, oh man, if you get 20-plus fights, you know, people are going to respect you more. If you win the gold medal more than once, you're probably going to get signed to a bigger promotion like Titan FC instead of, you know your your small you know city local promotion, then having to you know find your way up through that. So it's um you know it's it's pretty cool, man. It's I think it's gonna be in the Olympics very soon. I actually can see I can see it in there much much earlier.
4: Ah, oh, nice. Um, are spe- you uh, uh, talking about how uh, your amateur prepared you for the pros. Um, you managed to get a title shot for Titan in your like third pro fight. I want to say. Yep. And, uh, but Pedro, Nobe had to fall out and you end up fighting for the interim title. Um, but, but, cause you, you <clears throat> having seen you fight like most of your fights, um, you have composure way beyond the guy who's only fought pro like six times. And, um, I assume that comes from fighting all over the world and everything like that. And like you said, fighting in front of a crowd of like thousands of people at a big UFC event, but. If you weren't speaking to uh, like somebody who was like a younger guy who wanted to do who wanted to get into MMA, like what would your advice to them be with regard to amateur versus pro?
3: Oh man, it's it's definitely a it's definitely a a huge level change. You know, besides saying amateur versus pro, like you know, I, I've had so many amateur fights that I've seen it all, man. I've been dropped, I've broken bones, I've torn ligaments. You know, I've I've gone through the worst of the worst, and I was still able to somehow win. Um, you know, I tried my best just to stay calm because throughout every situation, I've always been like, ah, eh, well, we guess we'll see how this goes. Or, man, this situation sucks. All right, let's see how this is going to finish. You know, it just always kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. And even in practice, it's, it's one of those things that I don't just train against, you know, the average Joe. I mean, if you look at some of the guys I've been able to train with, I mean, I've gone to war with, like, John Dotson, T.J. Dillashaw, B.J. Penn. Cub Swanson. I mean, uh, and, and the list goes on and on and on. I've been to so many gyms, it's it's ridiculous. I've been training with um, Henan Baral, just here from Riga, uh, Pedro Moon hosts right now, and and it's the caliber of guys and the caliber of what they're really really good at is, is just at another level. So I don't mind being put in really bad situations because most of the time I'm in a bad situation in practice anyway. So you know, it's it's one of those things that honestly, practice makes perfect, and I swallow my ego and I swallow my pride. And you know, accept in a sense of losing, and just try to go all out and see how it goes. If I'm gonna get tapped out anyways, might as well try my best and you know, not be fearful of it. You know, accept it, but you know, try my best in the in the long run and see where it goes. Compared to, you know, always we saying what I should have could have because I didn't try whatsoever. So it's um, I think the biggest advice I give people mainly as the amateurs, you gotta get the best practice, and you can't be afraid of training with somebody in your weight class or training with somebody that's even bigger or somebody that. And you might fight one day. It's it's all learning and experience. And I always do say it's, uh, we're all after the same goal. It just so happens we're on each other's way, you know? So I've trained with Joseph Benavidez, Tim Elliott, Brandon Moreno, Eric Schultz, and so many guys in my weight class is ridiculous. But it's, it's, you know, MMA's is a, a big sport full of camaraderie. Everyone wants to help each other out. So, um, you know, for me, swallow your pride, swallow your ego, and, and just have fun and practice and enjoy what you do because it's definitely, uh,
4: a very very tough sport, and there's a reason why so many other people can't do it. All right, I'm pass off the Stokes uh, Thank you so much. No problem, man. Hey, Shorty. Uh,
1: What's up? Do, do do you prefer fighting at 125 or
3: 135? Oh yeah, it's it's a it's definitely 50 50. You know, 125 is is
1: definitely the weight class
3: I should be at, and that's where my next fight is going to be at. Um, and that's where hopefully I make my UFC debut at. But 135, oh, the weight cuts so much easier. It's <laughs> so beautiful. It's so beautiful. But I can tell you this: my two, my last two fights at 35. You know, I've had four of them total out of my six pro fights, and I finished two of them, but they've been through submission. My two 25 fights, I finished by KO. <laughs> the other two, man, I'm just punching these guys, and even though I'm hitting them with the same, you know, velocities I hit these flyweights. They just kind of smile at me and still walk forward. Like I might be able to drop them or daze them, but I just can't finish them. So, yeah. it's uh, it's it's definitely a game changer. So flyweight's definitely uh, where I want to be. Mm. Uh, how, how much do you weigh around usually? Just walking around? Uh, it depends how fat I want to be. Um, one <laughs> one fifty five is usually my my fattest. I know if I hit one sixty, I'm definitely messing up in my life. Um, <laughs> but but one fifty five is usually where. I'm just kind of like, all right, let, let me enjoy this week. Let me enjoy life and see where it goes. But I try to stay between, you know, 150, 145. And then from there, uh, start my camp from there and just start moving down. Mm, gotcha.
1: Oh, well, well, what was it like to win your first title? Like, what was that feeling inside the cage at that moment?
3: It was cool, man. It was actually um, a lot of emotion that week because uh, for a lot of people who don't know, I, I do have a very crazy family. Uh, good and good and bad, but my brother was actually stabbed, uh, three times before I left for training camp to get ready for that fight. So I didn't even get to say goodbye to my brother when I, um, when I said goodbye to him, he was sedated still or in a coma, whatever the case may be after surgery. So, you know, I never verbally, you know, to him was able to say goodbye. So I ended up leaving for my training camp. And yeah, I was training, training, training. Eventually, my my brother calls me a month later. You know, after waking up and having a good conversation, stuff like that. You know, he's motivating me and, and just pushing me forward. And uh, you know, I get to I get to Florida, and and the doctors clear him to take a flight to Florida. You know, he's like the whole time during um, uh, rehab, he's like, I just want to see my brother's fight. I just want to see my brother's fight. So and he's in my corner every fight. So he ended up flying out to uh, Florida. And man, he looked like he was cutting weight too, just because of all the surgeries. He was stabbed three times, sutures in his stomach, all this stuff. So he looked like he was three inches shorter. He was, you know, I, I think he started at like 180 pounds, but he ended up weighing like 130, you know, because he lost so much weight and so much blood. Um, so when I saw him two months later, you know, the week of my fight, I was like, oh my God. And he's still trying to, you know, run next to me on the treadmill when I'm trying to cut weight, you know. So. He was he was definitely a, a motivating factor for that fight, and when I won the belt, it wasn't me winning the belt. I just see it as as another fight. Uh, it was honestly just winning the belt for him, and he he still does know that that's technically his belt. I just hold <laughs> it and carry it with me everywhere. I but even though he definitely asked for it, I'm like, nope, sorry, maybe 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 another day. But uh, yeah, man, he it, it was definitely an emotional week. Um, so when I won, you know, the the speech was really out to him. I was just like. Yeah, I, I said fatal, but it was supposed to be near fatal. But uh, I was like, man, it was—he—he he went through a near fatal incident, and it, it was definitely, uh, yeah, motivating because things can change right there in a heartbeat. And you know, I, I won the belt for him because he never had the opportunity to do what I was able to do. And uh, you know, he was an older brother that went through more of a struggle than you know than I did. He went through the struggle so I could have possibly a better life. And you know, so far it's worked out well. So he's my biggest fan, biggest support, uh, supporter. And I think that's why. Uh, you know, when the first belt was so, you know, so big. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm telling you, man, you know, people's, people's family, you know, it's, it's, you know, things can pop up out of nowhere. And, you know, I live in Chicago, and Chicago's known for doing some messed up stuff like that, so it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's crazy.
0: So you, you go through that, though, and you get the first belt. Mm-hmm. What, what makes you go, okay? I have the 125. Now it's time to go up.
3: Um, well, I won the first belt, and then Lex McMahon, uh, which is the COO and matchmaker of Titan FC, he goes, Nard Shorty, you're um, 3 0. We want to get you proper fights. We know you're the champion, but we're going to get you proper fights um, that you can take that are not 2 too ahead of your, your game right now. And you know, you know, we'll, we'll see where if you keep the belt or not. And I go, No, I want Pedro Nobre, I want the next guy in line. I feel a champion should do that. And Pedro Nobre at the time was eighteen-two and 2, and he's never been knocked out be- uh, before. He went the distance with Tim Elliott, and that's just the fight I wanted. And eventually, you know, Lex McMahon's like, Fine, you know, shorty, I'm trying to keep you safe, but um, sure, you know, if that's the fight you want, that's the fight you want, and, you know, I called out Peyton Over, and I ended up knocking him out in 86 seconds, you know, so, when I knocked him out in 86 seconds, I thought that was going to be my UFC, you know, contract, you know, on the UFC calls, and they go, you did really, really great, but you did it too fast, so we want to see you do it again, I'm
2: like, what? what? <laughs> Dude, this is, like, what? This is exactly what you want,
3: <laughs> you know, like, this is exactly what you want in the flyweight division, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up, knocking out people, and, that's that's you you tell me to do it again oh uh, yeah sure okay cool you know it's like it's like your parents telling you to clean your room they come in your room's clean and they just throw everything back on the floor and it's like it <laughs> it's like man somebody just like who would I piss off you know so um, that's I was like, man, crazy I, I need something bigger you know I need something if if I keep on defending my flyweight division then I'm defending it against the number two guy the number three guy the number four and it's, I, I I don't get excited for stuff like that. You know, I want to face top competition. If I want to face number three, number four, number five, then it's going to be top level guys in the UFC. You know, so um, I ended up was like, you know, let me let me bump up and fight the 35 pound champion. Uh, Farhad Sharapov won the belt uh, out of a tournament. I thought it was, you know, a great fight because he was small. He was a smaller bantamweight, and you know, I took the fight and I ended up, you know, breaking my hand in the first round, tearing my MCL. In the first round, when I got dropped. I got dropped in the first round, and I got stuck in a very, very tight guillotine. But I was able to push through for four more rounds, dominate the fight, and and win my second belt. And you know, the second belt was definitely um was definitely a huge game changer. And sadly, because I was so injured, I got called so many times by the UFC for you know last minute stuff the contender series. I I just couldn't take it. Yeah, you know, I was I was still so beat up, and I still had months to recover, and even months for a training camp. So. You know, I had not had a lot of stuff, and which you know, really really sucks. You know, six months of rehab, and uh, you know, came back was like, you know what? I guess I have to prove myself again and and deserve my place in UFC. Let me defend my bantamweight championship because I believe it's a tougher opponent and uh, more recordable if I if I do so. And if if people saw my last fight, Gleason to Jesus, which ironically I'm training with right now, um, you know, he's he's much bigger than me, and I was able to. Keep the fight close and, and choke him out in the fourth round, and, and show that mm-hmm. I'm not just a champion, but a dominant one at that. And from there, the UFC has been calling. Um, you know, but the first month I was sadly still injured from all those calf kicks and stitches on my face. So um, right now I'm just training and, and seeing what's next. And so far it's February 16th uh, against mm-hmm. Alberto Oriano and um, back in the flyweight division. And, you know, I haven't made weight for over a year, and it's uh, you know I'm, I'm excited to, to do it against this opponent. and you know, he's technically a no-name opponent, so it doesn't really excite me. Um, but the number two, the number three, the number four, the number five guy all denied the fight. <laughs> no one wants to fight me, so I'm happy this guy was uh, brave enough to step up and, and accept the challenge.
0: How does let you know you're doing good. You got people shook. Sorry, you can go at Stokes. Oh, <laughs> just wanted to uh, <laughs> throw that out there.
1: <laughs> and the UFC called you and said, oh, if you win your next fight, then we'll give you a call?
3: You know, they they've never told me that
1: um that's something i i wish was
3: was the way it worked but sadly McManard always calls me for last minute stuff you know it's not like oh hey man you're so dominant you're you're an amateur and, and a professional that we've never seen before you're in a sense the vasil lomachenko out the leads of of mma like eh, we'll call you for last minute stuff you know so it, i wish it was hey we want to call you for a contract but i i keep getting called for last minute stuff coincidentally horrible timing work i'm always injured you know i'm always going to beat up after these fights and they're calling me you know a week after my fight two weeks after my fight and i'm like dude i'm just trying to enjoy life right now <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm, I'm just like after this fight because i took so many calf kicks i'm like dude i'm walking on my grandmother's cane you know for a good week and give me give me a little bit of a break so um you know i wasn't able to accept big fights like one of them being you know tim elliott for december 30th you know just so happens i would love it and i had a lot of fan support me and i appreciate that but i just you know because of injuries and just because of timing with weight too you know i definitely couldn't do it so you know i'm I'm excited to see what's next i'm hoping you know everything works well and i get to fight for the ufc very very soon this year but you know until then i gotta
1: keep on fighting and, and do what i do best Nick Maynard, I'm calling you out.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. Like, you've been on the streak. You would think... I almost feel like they're... I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Like, I almost feel like they're trying to, like, test you somehow. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to see things from their point of view, but it's not really making sense. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. They're trying to just put you in a tough spot to see if, like, all right, well, will he... Well, he answered the call. He's in a tough spot. Let's see how much. I don't know. I don't get it. That
3: you're, you're telling me, you know, UFC, <laughs> the UFC does what they want to do, and uh, mainly if they need a last minute, you know, replacement, they're gonna call you, you know, because they need you, but they never want you, you know. So it's <laughs> it's, it's definitely uh, it, it you know, I feel like the the girl trying to impress the guy. It's like, what else do I have to do? You know,
2: it's like <laughs> I've
3: done everything for you. You
0: know, so. Oh man, yeah, that's a that's a weird weird predicament uh <laughs> to be in. Um,
3: yeah, but the, you know, for me, I gotta try my best to to not be dependent on the UFC. I can't be you know relying on them to call or expecting them to call. I just gotta be like, you know, man, I, I fought for free as an amateur so many times around the world. Let me just keep on doing it now. Yeah, you know, but now I'm technically getting paid a little bit. So let me just keep on enjoying my life. I have enough money to live and and, and pushing forward and. If they give me a call when I'm ready, then so be it. If they don't, then hey man, it's the same situation I've been in this whole
0: time. I just keep on pushing forward and do me. Have there been any other promotions outside of the UFC that have expressed any interest at all?
3: Um, a couple, but you know, sadly, I'm just you know, I'm under contract and I, I can't be pushing forward. But Titan FC definitely take care of me very well, so you know, I, I definitely can't complain. So is
4: that part of the Titan FC contract where you're only out as like the UFC?
3: Yeah, so the only out, immediate really? out, is the UFC. So, like, for example, Vulcan. Um, Vulcan, Ozemir versus DC. When Vulcan first made his UFC debut, he was a last-minute replacement. So he was actually supposed to be one of my co-main events. And he got called up, uh, I think it was the day before weigh-ins. They're like, all right, Vulcan's out, bumping up. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know, so That's it's, crazy. So we, we just talked about him last episode. And that's
3: cool, you know. The only thing that sucks, though, is that heavyweights are usually already on weight. Or, oh, I'm 10 pounds over, they can do one big old workout, and they're already on weight. Compared to, like, flyweights, you know, we we have to lose 15, 20 pounds. And it's like, oh, man, I got five days. Damn, I could do it. Man, this is really going to suck. You know, so it's uh, it's definitely a little different. But, hey, man, you know, I I definitely can't hate Vulcan's done what he's done. And and he's won every single fight, and I'm happy for him. I'm excited to see his uh, co-main event.
1: DC
3: or Vulcan? I'm going to go with DC, um, just because of the experience. But Vulcan, man, he's... It's crazy, because Vulcan's been losing every single fight in the beginning, and then somehow just lands a big one and, and, and knocks these guys out, <laughs> or does just enough to push through. So, you know, you just never know with these type of fighters, but DC has shown that the only person better than him right now is John Jones, and John Jones is just at another level. And even in the last fight, DC pushed him to the limit. So, it's... its uh, I'm definitely gonna go with DC with this one, but you know, Vulcan, Vulcan is Vulcan, man. He surprises people.
1: Well, uh, speaking, speak, just speaking of like John Jones, like, do you think like steroids should affect like the all-time great list? Um. Well,
3: the first, well, the first one wasn't steroids. The first time was cocaine in the system, and then the second time, you know, it's technically there's there's no proof. You know, they, they say there were steroids found in the system or found unintentionally and right now he's not being pressed for anything. He's just in a sense suspended. So they might be, you know, reinstating him and he might be fighting very, very soon because of it. So, you know, technically there's there's no steroids found in the system, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens next. I think John Jones, whether there were steroids or not, I mean he's he's definitely created such an epic career, it's I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, man at such a young age, that guy has so much talent. I've been able to train with him before and just even talk to him. I mean, he is he is really humble and he knows what to do, so um it's really sad to see all these things happen to him. But man, you you have so much power, you're you're so young and you have just so many people behind you. It's you know, he, he I I can t- definitely tell you this, when he got caught with the cocaine stuff, that definitely humbled him. You know, it, it, it put him back down in this place to like, oh, go, man, this is gonna all go away in, in a in a heartbeat, you know, so Um, to hear about the steroid stuff mainly, what was it, he got busted for steroids the day of the fight, it's like, dude, you got tested multiple times before the fight but you somehow get tested positive for the day of the fight, I highly doubt that you know, so knowing that you're going to get tested the day of the fight too, I highly doubt that so, you know, I'm I'm just, I'm excited to see him come back, but I don't don't see any of the stuff really, you know um, diminishing his career whatsoever
0: yeah, I, I hope he makes it out of that situation, okay? Because when when I saw that headline that morning, it it was like I was hurt. I not like I'm normally not really like attached to fighters like that, but that one like really it really hurt cuz like like you said, yeah, so young, so talented and it's just like you you want to you want to root for him to win and it just seems like these little nicks keep kind of popping up, but yeah, hopefully he 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 will be back. Um but going back to real quick, I wanted to go back to um uh, speaking of like fighting in multiple weight classes and weight cutting, um, <clears throat> recently, I think was it yesterday or the day before, uh, Uriah Hall had a really bad weight cut and I believe he, he ended up in the hospital. Uh, so hopefully he's last I heard, I think he's doing okay. Like he's awake now and talk, I think they had to keep him overnight, but like, how do you feel about weight cutting in, in MMA? Do you think it is a, a big issue or do you think there's a way to, should they try to regulate it more, or is it one of those things that is it's just gonna happen? Like these situations, from time to time, will just they'll just kind of happen, and we'll just have to deal with it.
3: Well, the only reason it's, it keeps on happening is because these fighters aren't I mean, you know they they're really not educated on how to weight cut properly. You know, weight cutting is, is a is a huge thing, and I, w- I wouldn't say a, a big necessity in the sport. But fighting at your natural weight is is probably the best thing to do. Look at Frankie Edgar. You know, when he won at 155, the guy weighs like 163 naturally. You know, you look at Manny Pacquiao starting at, I think his first weight class was 108, goes all the way to 1 154. You know, at the end of his uh, uh, of his career, it's ridiculous. You know, so being able to know how to do it properly is a huge thing. I think, you know, for me, I had a, a really just horrible time in college, my final years in wrestling, trying to make 125 because one, I didn't know how to do it. Two, I didn't have any help or motivation. And three, once all that motivation was gone, I just, there was no reason for me to do it anymore. So, it made the weight cut even harder and harder and harder and harder for me. Um, and eventually, I didn't get to finish my career because I couldn't make weight anymore. But when I got to professional, I immediately hired Lou Trish and my weight manager specialist, and he's the only reason I ended up having the confidence to get back down to 125 and win the belt and then defend it the second time and even make weight for this fight and uh, you know, get ready. So, I think because of me finally being educated, I was been able, you know, I've been able to do it much, much easier. Not just being able to do it, but just I, I feel so much more confident and so much more comfortable doing it. Like, oh my God, I'm I'm not freaking out about the numbers that I see on the scale, mm. you know. So it's mm. uh, I think every fighter should really invest in in just having someone by their side and and you know being able to, you know, I'm not saying they have to cook for them or do all this stuff, but. And able to just teach them how to wake up properly and what what you have to eat during this time or after practice or you know the week of the weigh-ins and stuff like that it's uh it, it's definitely a huge huge game changer.
0: Do you what do you think maybe if they were to add let's say more weight classes would you would you be in favor of that to maybe cause I don't know I feel like this weight cutting issue like it it seems like every year there's at least one two really more people who just seem to, like, they have these really terrible weight cuts where it's just, like, like I don't know, like, for instance, Gerard Hall, like, it's borderline, like, life or death situation. How would you feel about the UFC or just MMA in general just maybe adding more weight classes to, I guess, kind of help people maybe fight more to their natural weight as opposed to somebody trying to cut 20, 30 pounds to get to a weight below so that they'll have a size advantage?
3: Um, You know, I, I I'm not going to say I'm not a fan, of the extra weight class, I think that'd be awesome to get people, you know, a better chance to possibly even win two belts and stuff like that. But I, I don't see it making a difference. You know, I can see people going, oh man, I didn't, you know, I didn't do well 170. That's probably closer to my weight. All right, let me drop down to whatever the next weight class is, 165 or 160, you know? So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a big thing. I think the, the mindset everyone has is, is kind of like the wrestler mindset. Oh, the bigger man's going to win. So, I'm going to go down to the smallest weight class and be the bigger man. Well, hey, man, uh, you know, the same day of weigh you all weigh the same, you know, so technically you're not the bigger man. You might be taller, you might be a little stronger, but it doesn't matter. It's the technique, so it's, and I've been able to show that bumped up to 35, you know, that's a weight class I definitely shouldn't be at, and both my opponents have been much bigger than me, but you know, I've been able to dominate both fights because of it. It's 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 honestly just the technique and being able to know how to lose the weight properly. Even at 35, it's, it's, I wouldn't even say it's a struggle, but if I did it just last minute and whatever, yeah, I could do it. But I'm not going to look the same. I'm not going to feel the same the day of the fight. You know, it's being able to, how to make yourself as healthy as possible so you compete, you know, at the at the best of your ability. And then that's the the biggest reason why I hired nutrition, and that's something I tell everybody, even high school in wrestling. I see so many people like, oh, I want to wrestle. Uh, we had a kid come up to me. He goes, I want to wrestle 113. Shorty, teach you how to how to cut weight. I go, um okay, how much do you weigh naturally? He goes, I weigh 125. I go, dude, you're tiny. No, Russell. (laughs) He said the next weight class was 120. I go, you're a growing boy and you're 15 years old, Russell 120. And he didn't listen to me and ended up getting down to 113, but he just feel exhausted or call me complaining every single day. I go, I never said you couldn't make weight. I think you can, but you're not going to feel the best. And When you start cutting all that weight and, you know, stop eating stop drinking, mainly in high school when you definitely don't know how to do it. You got these kids running around in garbage bags or hanging out in saunas or spinning or or overtraining themselves. It's, you know, you lose motivation. I definitely did that in college. And, you know, I just didn't want to do it anymore. You know, how about you enjoy the sport the way you're supposed to and just wrestle at 120? So what? You're going to lose. You're going to lose at 113 anyways. You might as well lose at a weight class where you're trying your best. And you can say you lost your best compared to losing at your worst, and always saying what it should have, could have. So, you know, it's 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 honestly a learning experience. I've been through it all when it comes to weight cutting. It sucks every single way. I mean, spitting laxatives. I've I've done everything illegal when it comes to NCAA trying to make weight. I've done everything to where it's it's extremely unhealthy. I'm surprised my body even still does what it wants to do now. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's it's people have to educate themselves, and that's something I wish. In high school, there would at least be one nutritionist hired or somebody to just teach these kids because all they do is, you you think about this, it's like, how do you learn something? Well, you look at the next guy. You look at the older person. You look at the the next generation that's been doing it. It's like, all right, uh, let me look at the varsity. Oh, man, they're running in garbage bags? Well, I guess that's, that's how you're supposed to cut weight. What am I supposed to eat? Oh, I'm not supposed to eat anything? Oh, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to eat anything to make weight. So you just naturally look at that compared to somebody actually teaching you how to do it and uh you know just there's people don't either want to spend the money or they just feel like it's not a necessity well let them struggle and their career is only to get so far
0: yeah i remember the (laughs) i remember seeing people in high school run around in garbage bags this was way before i got in mma and i just used to look out the window like i have no idea what you guys are doing in (laughs) 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 ridiculous
3: Well, it's, it's crazy because like I wrote so many papers. My my major was leadership in sports exercise science in, in college, and uh, or a long version of saying kinesiology. But um, uh, I wrote a lot of papers on weight cutting, and the reason why they changed the 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 rules in high school is because three kids died in the same year in their first year in college. They died there uh, in 1997. They just were working out by themselves. Like your eye Hall was doing the hot tub by himself, stood up, passed out, and just. You know, slashed his head on the floor. It's the same thing with with all these kids that died, and even the one FC guy that died. You know, doing stuff by yourself, overtraining yourself. These people are having heart attacks or heat strokes at the age of nineteen. You know, 18, 19, and they're 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 dying of something that should be happening when they're you know in their seventies, eighties, nineties. You know, so it's 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 crazy to see what you know these young athletes put themselves to do because they're just not educated enough. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, it's, it's kind of like going into a fight. If you don't know how to fight and you go into, a, you know, a fight with somebody who does, more than likely it's not going to work out well. It's the same thing with the weight cut. If you join the weight cut or start it not knowing how to do it, it's probably not going to work out the best. Can you achieve the goal? Yeah, I'm not saying you can, but it, it's definitely going to suck.
0: Go ahead, you had a question? Uh, no. Um,
4: uh, well... I, I guess going back to just like uh, your career and you, your multiple calls for um, the multiple calls they got gave you for the UFC. If you got to pick your own opponent for your debut, who would you be? Uh, who would you be facing? Because I, I know you mentioned um, Tim. They all uh, Tim Elliott versus uh, Justin Scoggins. You wanted the winner of that, but that fight ended up falling through.
3: Yeah, man. It's so actually funny thing was earlier in the year I got called to fight Scoggins. And then I couldn't take it because uh, I was still injured. And then at the end of the year, they called me to fight Tamelli because Scoggins pulled out. And I was like, oh, man, I still can't take it. I love both those fights because they're, they're both veterans. They're both scrappy guys. And they both put on a show. So I think that'd be awesome. But um, I just couldn't take it. For me, I don't know, man. It's uh, Man, I've had people even guess who, who I'm going to have uh, as my first opponent. One podcast said I'm going to fight Ryan Benoit. You know, Other <laughs> podcasts said they would love to see me fight Tamelli just because you know, Tumali was the Titan FC champ. I was the interim champ. He won the tournament. I became the, the undisputed. I'd like to, you know, I personally like to see who would have been the the official undisputed champ. You know, if he was still around. So I definitely would love for that to happen. But Tema is a definitely very, very big flyweight, very strong. I've trained with him before, so we we definitely know each other's stuff. I would love that to be maybe my second or third fight, uh, and and have it be properly promoted. But, you know, for me, I, I don't care who, who honestly, it is. It could be all the way at the bottom. It could be the newbie. It could be <laughs> a guy in the middle, or it could be, you know, the best guy in the world. So I'm, I, I really don't care. I'm just, you know, excited to make my debut and, and put on a show.
4: Um, okay. Um, uh, speaking of promotion, and, you know, I don't want to get you in trouble before you have both feet through the door. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
4: it, 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 last year was a really, uh, I don't, I guess, uh, Odd year um, when it comes to promotion, Um, you have Dana White basically publicly saying the flyweight they've been considering dropping the flyweight division for the past three years. I I guess since uh, they realized Joseph Benavidez wasn't going to be champion, Um, and trying to hang that over Demetrius Johnson's head to accept the TJ Dillashaw fight. And I'm just curious, uh, does that give you any pause? Like moving forward.
3: Um. Yeah, I can definitely tell you it, it it sucked to hear. Um, but I knew it was it was more of a bullying than anything. You know, they're trying to bully. You know, Demetrius Johnson to fight TJ, which I I understand why they want him to fight it. I think fight him. I think that's a great fight, and I'd love to see it happen. Uh, I've trained with TJ. I've helped him for his fights, and I know what he can do. So. I'd love to see him fight uh, Demetrius Johnson to see, you know, just who's better. But bullying them and, and saying all that stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't make us flyweights feel better. You know, it's it, mainly for me. I'm, I'm a big prospect coming up. You know, I'm hoping for a big payday, and makes me think that, you know, they're not going to pay the flyweights properly because they just don't think we're exciting. You know, so it's, it's a huge, huge downer. I mean, you look at Sergio Pettis and Brandon Moreno when they fought in Mexico and headlined the. They were the first ever main event for flyweights besides Demetrius Johnson. I mean, if you look at the paperwork of of co-main events and main events for flyweights, it's pretty much just been Demetrius Johnson. You know, so, and it's not that he's not an exciting fighter. It's just kind of like Anderson Silva back in the day. You know, he was such a dominating fighter at his weight class that after he beat everyone, they're like, all right, you know what? We want you to bump up. Like, we want you to bump up to fight better guys because there's no one at your weight class to beat. You know, because you already beat everybody. Same thing with DJ. The Flyweight division is very good. It's just, well, he's dominated so well against all of them. It, he's make them all look silly. You know, so he needs new competition to hopefully be me. And, <laughs> um Yeah, yeah i am putting that in there. But, you yeah, know, it, it really is. It, it sucks to hear, you know, because... Um, yeah, you know, I put a lot of work into the flyweight division. I know a lot of people do it. You know, I'm so happy to be a very small guy, and I believe that's the right division for me. If they would cut it, you know, I'd have to look for something else. Uh, I guess something better. But you know, until then, uh, my goal right now is UFC, and you know, hopefully get the flyweight division, you know, under my, you know, around my waist.
1: How how are you gonna beat my mouth in 2021? Hey, 2021. Eh,
3: right. Yeah, 2021. I that's my um,
2: <laughs> man. <I don't- laughs>
3: I don't know, you know. I actually do watch this film, and I, I, I watch and like watching him against Ray Borg. I was like, damn, this guy's just toying to Ray Borg all, every single round. Every single round, he's just toying with him. I've turned Ray Borg too, and you know, I've, I've definitely gone back and forth with them. I'm just like, man, this guy's, this guy's just—he's not even doing work. He's just chilling, you know. So it's, it's, it's crazy to see how good he is. I honestly just want to test my skill and see where I'm at in my division. Um, you know, I've, tra- I've trained with the best bantamweight in the world, getting him ready for his fights. I want to train, and I want to fight the best flyweight in the world and see how that goes, and, you know, I fare against him. So honestly don't know. I see that going to decision, but me, I push forward so much, and I'm always just such a scrappy guy. I can see me catching him and, and, you know, ended up being a TKO. But for me, I'm just excited to get in there and put on the show.
0: I guess, speaking of your training partners, what is it like training with a dude like TJ who's just like, you watch his fights, and it just seems like he's in the matrix compared <laughs> to, to to everybody else. Like, what 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 little tools or tricks of the trade or anything? Like, what have you been able to to learn from him, uh, from you guys training together?
3: Uh, I think the biggest thing I've learned from him is is move my head. <laughs> 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 I, I definitely have have taken too many blows uh, at such young age, man. He um, he moves so much. And the first time I met him, I was getting ready for Pedro Nolbrin, and the fight got dropped. And then the fight got called back up. I flew back to Colorado, and um, he was having me out there to help him for John Lineker. And so I was sparring with him for just a, a full month of him and I going back and forth. And TJ, I mean, you hear all the stories where he goes 100% or he's just a bad guy while sparring. Honestly, he is <laughs> there's, there's no <laughs> there's no denying it the guy the guy goes 100 percent or at least close to it and he just wants to be the best that's just how he's always been raised he's always been a winner and anytime he's losing you know he, he does get a little emotional he just wants to be that type of guy so um but it's only during practice which is really cool because the first time we went yeah you know, I, I remember landing a really good one you can tell he was like okay all right. And then we just start going and then we're do, we're swinging and swinging, kicking each other, you know, dropping each other. It was ridiculous. And then after I'm thinking, he's not going to want to talk to me because he's all emotional. He's like, oh, you want to get something to eat? I was like, Oh <laughs> uh, it, yeah. Just don't kick me. Like, <laughs> you know, so That's
2: awesome.
3: dude going with him, it's, it's, it's a proto con because the bad thing with him is that he's such at a high level. That when he goes 100%, he's more than likely going to beat you up. You know, he's a band of champion in the world, two time running. So it's, it's he's at another level. But having somebody at such a high level trying to go all out on you teaches you that real life opportunity of, man, I got to make the best out of this. Or, man, he's really trying to hit me. So I have no choice but to move. So um, it's not like practice where some guys throwing like 60, 70%, you can take all the punches and you feel cool about it. This time you're punching with small MMA gloves, and you just have to move because if you don't, you're getting dropped, you're getting hurt. And you know TJ has dropped me before body kicks, and there it's been epic, man. He he has taught me a lot, and I can tell you this. So the the quick story was when I started with TJ for the straight month. Uh, after you know he fought on New Year's Eve, I ended up going home. I still had a month until my fight with Pedro and Obra. I was like, man, him and I went all out. Uh, I know Cowboy Cerrone's been talking about. Just hanging out and not, not sparring anymore and just just drilling and running and getting ready for the fight. Well, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do the same thing because, man, I've been getting really just hit a lot. You know, taking too many concussions, just take, taking too many blows at the age of 24. At the time is, is definitely you know a little too epic. So let me just relax. So the whole month, I just <clears> ran, worried about my weight. It was the easiest weight cut ever. You know, I don't have to worry about anything. I get to the fight and Pedro is bigger than me, stronger than me. He's hitting pretty hard and. Yeah, you know, I'm taking a couple of shots, but every single shot he threw—if you guys watch the fight again—you just, I just seem comfortable. I, you know, I see everything coming, and the whole time thinking in my head while I'm watching him throw, I'm like, "Man, this guy's gonna stand right in front of me and throw straight punches. This is awesome."
2: You know, so <laughs> compared to like, compared to
3: like TJ, you know, I did just a straight month of this guy doing circles around me, throwing head kicks from all different angles. Like, you ever seen a Rush Hour where Chris Tucker gets kicked? And he's like, "Who kicked me?"
2: That's pretty much, like,
3: dude. TJ was throwing stuff out of nowhere. You're just like, whoa, 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 you know. So, it it just it freaks you out. And plus, he's such a dominant wrestler that because of his style, he's able to transition so well. Um, so when I fought Pedro over, I was like, man, this is, this is awesome. And then when I, you know, landed the right hand, I'm like, oh wow. And I just walked forward, you know. So it wasn't, I wasn't like, oh my god, I need to finish this. I was just like, oh cool, staying nice, composed, and. You know, I was able to to flash K on three times. Ralph was like, all right, we're done with this. So <laughs> it was, you know, it was a huge game changer, and that's why I kept on going back to TJ. You know, right now I'm at American top team, but that's only because, you know, TJ, uh, one, I want to get different camps and different looks, but TJ just had a newborn, uh, you know, baby boy. So, you know, I know when he's gone, everyone just kind of disperses, you know. So uh, I'm just trying to figure out what's next. But I'm testing out the gym right now, ATT, and, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's, it's a good gym and just getting different looks and uh, it, it's it's definitely really cool, man.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, in that Dobre fight, I did kind of notice like it seemed like you were just waiting the entire time. Like I'm gonna catch him. I'm gonna catch him. I'm just gonna wait until my moment comes and then it came, and it was over just like that. <laughs>
3: yeah, man. I'm I'm a counterfighter, fighter, so it it we're I'm a I'm a forward counterfighter, which is very rare. Um, but I was just pushing forward and. And even with TJ, that's just how it was. Like the only time I was really able to catch him is when either I threw off his rhythm or I countered him. You know, after getting you know pretty pretty used to his timing and switching stances and stuff like that. But it, it was definitely just a game changer training with TJ because again, I mean, you look at his style. People were trying to mimic his style. People were trying to mimic you know Dominic Cruz's style or DJ's. They, they move so much and their their styles very very hard to train against because not too many people do it. You know, so it's uh it was a crazy thing to have page and number stand right in front of me. I was like, this is, Oh man, this is going to be fun. You know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited again. I'm excited to, to fight these guys that I believe that are the lower level. So I can hopefully fight guys at their level. So I'm, I'm just excited to see what's next. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah so I guess, uh, to round it all out. So this, this next fight, uh, coming up, uh, Alberto, oriano if i'm saying that correct uh this is going down on february 16th in fort lauderdale um i think you mentioned earlier i've been able to get much footage on him what do you what do you think about this matchup
3: um i'm only i mean he does have some fights on youtube i only saw two fights and you know he's a scrapper he is a scrappy scrappy guy if you stand right in front of him he's he's definitely ready to, to stand and bang and just try to knock you out but uh you know he's a template jiu-jitsu guy has some solid jiu-jitsu and you know his standup's okay. I think he is a good opponent. Um, he's definitely fought some some tougher guys, but you know I, I definitely can't belittle anybody until I see him in the cage. You know, I, I, how you look at my record when I first started, I was two and zero fighting guys who are you know eight and eight or seven and two or eighteen and two. So I definitely can't belittle a guy with a smaller record than me. But he he definitely has some you know fights under his belt. And he's he's ready to he's ready to stand and bang. How he can close his eyes and punch me and I can get knocked out. So. <laughs> I just I always gotta stay cautious and ready. No, I've seen people. I've actually seen people do that live. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like dude, you, were, you were losing the whole fight, and somehow you're just like, screw it. Let's see if this works, and it worked.
0: <laughs> hey man, the, the comeback is always. You're always one. You're always one hit away. We talked about that the last show with uh that Darren Elkins and um. Ah, oh, what's the other guy? Uh, the back-toe back-toe fight, where like he's getting throttled the entire fight and in one moment he just managed to turn it around yeah, yeah it, it, it can definitely happen
3: MMA is such an epic sport that's why I want to join bowling you know I can get less hurt that way
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh before we get out of here uh, just wanted to ask some just some regular everyday uh questions so when you're not training you know nothing too crazy is going on maybe you have a day or so to just kind of wind down uh, what 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 are you doing in your in your spare time when, oh, when you can just man. kind of sit down and just kind of chill? I hate these questions.
3: <laughs> 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 you you know why I hate these questions? Because now I know, like, I've started to become an adult, you know? Because like when you're a kid, and people start asking you like, oh, what do you do? I was like, man, I play video games. I go outside. I do this. I do that. I look at myself now while I'm still laying in bed talking to you guys. I'm just like, man, I don't do anything in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's all I do. I seriously, all I do is I train, and like, today's technically my day off. What am I doing today? I'm getting some groceries. I'm getting some medicine because I'm a little ill, and I'm doing podcasts. That's all I do. So, everything I'm doing is pretty much taking care of myself or or <clears throat> doing work related stuff that doesn't involve training in a sense. So, that's, I've been doing this since I was four years old. So, that's pretty much all I do. Even when I was in college, like, everyone's like, oh, Shorty, come party with us. Come do this. I'm like, oh, man, I got to go cut weight. I got to, <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna, <laughs>
2: you
3: know, While everyone's dressed up, I'm dressed up in my sauna suit. And I was like, oh no, this is um, no. I gotta, I gotta do this over here. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. You know, so, dude, this is all I've done. So when people ask me that question, I, it, it makes me feel like 100% an adult. I was like, damn, my life sucks. But it's, <laughs> that's all I do, man. It's, it's everything fighting related. If I'm watching movies or if I'm watching uh, YouTube videos coincidentally it's on boxing or it's on MMA or just fighting. It's something that again I've been I've been raised to do. That's all my dad wanted me to to watch when I was younger is we'd be Skype, you know, um, just scrolling through the channels on T V and I don't know or like Mexican boxing would be on or or something on ESPN would be on or old fights and it's just like, Oh I'll watch this and my dad would just kinda like coach me through the fight and just, just you know, narrate the fight in a sense. So it was uh yeah, that's pretty much all I do, man. Is is anything work related, which is all fighting.
0: That's good. You're, you're a focused adult then. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a focused adult. Sometimes sometimes I like
3: to be less focused, but it never works out that way. It never works out. Like, I've I've already started to suck at video games now, which makes me even more... <laughs> oh,
0: man. You know, because yeah.
3: all I used to play was like Halo, Call of Duty, all these all these shooting games that I was doing when they first came out, and then, like, I'm playing Call of Duty uh, World War II now on one of the guy's uh, uh, PS4s, and I'm like, man... I used to be that guy getting that that twenty five kill streak in the atomic bomb, but now I'm like the guy that's all the way to the bottom on the zero twenty five list. You know, like I can't even walk out before spawn killing me. I'm like, man, do I, do I suck at this game? Are these guys just that good, or should I just... Man, is that why my dad sucked at video games? You know, so <laughs> you know, it's like um, I'm I'm becoming an adult. You know, it's just it's like, man, I gotta I gotta do more in my life.
0: yeah i I had that moment of realization i played my little brother and um it wasn't world war ii was it advanced warfare i think i think we played advanced warfare and we played uh 1v1 and my god did he watch me so bad and i was like i have to pass the baton now this is (laughs) the official (laughs) passing of the torch i've officially hit adulthood i can't beat a 10 year old
4: (laughs) that's it dude Uh, these kids come out the womb playing call of duty like there's nothing you can do
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, we're, we're
4: the adults now getting
3: beat up by 10-year-olds on Call of Duty, you know, so it's, it's, oh well, it's even crazy, like, at my house, when we open Christmas presents, we have the youngest kid, you know, open up the presents, me, I'm the youngest, but now my brother had his kid, the kid's, you know, 10, 11 years old, I'm just like, oh, oh, okay, goes, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just, like, looking away, looking around, like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna, anybody want some food
2: <laughs>
3: no? i can uh, can i help in any way no all right cool yeah
0: The so little kids are taking over <laughs> yeah um let's say in some parallel universe if you were not a fighter or let's just say maybe after like wrestling you decided you know what I'm. I'm not gonna maybe do anything competitive anymore. What. What would be your other job in a parallel universe if you were not a fighter?
3: Man, you know, me. I've always, you know, I do a lot of stuff with kids, and then I've always just try to give back. You know, try to be a, a big brother or a role model or father figure, stuff like that. So, um, my biggest goal when I was a kid, when I was four years old, when I watched Dragon Ball Z, Power Rangers, all these shows that involved a good guy fighting for good, well, you know, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a hero. So for me fighting was the way for me to go, but if if anything, I was going to school to be a gym teacher, and then eventually that changed, I ended up becoming, in a sense, a personal trainer, and just, you know, um, very smart in my, my field. For me, I've, I've always wanted to be a coach, man. You know, it's fighting, you know, I do have an epic backstory from fighting, uh, you know, say my life. It, it definitely took me out of gangs, drugs, and, and, and all the stuff that I was slowly getting into, that my family was all into when I was younger, too, so you know, uh, they, they took me out of the bad crowd and kind of gave it a discipline. If I didn't join my gym combat deal with Master Bob Shermer, I more than likely wouldn't finish high school. I definitely once even applied for college, and I wouldn't have gotten all the academics, and accolades in wrestling and martial arts that I've gotten. So, you know, if, if that gym can change my life, I can just imagine me opening up my own gym and, and trying to, you know, help as many people back as possible.
0: Awesome. I I guess that kind of leads into my next and final question. I'll hand it off uh, to you guys if you have any more. Um, So after, you know, your fighting career is over, you've been champ, you've beaten everybody in the world three times over and you decide, you know, I'm going to hang the gloves up. Uh, What what would you plan to do uh, after your fighting career is over?
3: Nah, man, I'm doing an Apollo Creed. I'm dying in the ring.
0: <laughs> um, that's
3: it. It's it's all in or nothing. That's it.
2: <laughs> oh, no. I um, love
3: it. No, man. I I don't know, you know, for me I definitely do want to open up my own gym. I actually do sponsor some athletes right now. I actually, um on my website, teamshorty.com dot com, twenty percent of all my earnings go to the kids in my gym so they can travel compete because you know, I had the I had to hustle a lot from when I was younger just to be able to do all these tournaments I was able to do and, and you know it's and travel the world and train so you know i want to be able to give these guys that are less fortunate or definitely don't want to do like the bad stuff to hustle um to you know to make it out so for me i I try to get back in any way possible for me i just you know i want to be able to sponsor athletes later on my career and and be that role model where people look at my career and go man shorty did this shorty did that damn he broke his hand or or he you know tore his 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 knee during a fight or he did both during the fight, man. This guy just kept on going. Well, I have no excuse to stop. Or he went through this as a child. Well, you know then I can do it too. So, yeah, I just want to be an inspiring force somehow. So I'm trying to make the best out of my career. Show people if this shorty can do it, then you know any shorty yeah. can do it. And uh, you know, hopefully, have my own gym and and you know keep on going from there. And so far, everything's you know you know going underway.
0: Awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome answer. So- or, 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 I got can the ring. Oh. or I can die in the ring. Or I can in the ring. Well, hope it doesn't have to come to that. But you know, <laughs> if you got out on the shield, you got on the shield. <laughs> uh, you, you guys got any more before we close out? Um,
4: I I guess I'll I, I'll ask about this one. Um, so UFC is trying to make uh, DJ versus TJ. Who you got in the fight?
3: I, you know, given this is a little biased just because I have trained with, you know, uh, yeah. TJ Dillashaw. Um, but you look at, and, and I, I try to break this out as much as possible. You look at the fight between DJ and Dominic Cruz. DJ was dominating the whole fight. The only reason he lost was because Dominic <laughs> Cruz was able to get a hold of him. It was the wrestling, and it was the size advantage. He was able to grab him, toss him around, and just ragdoll him and hold him down because he was the bigger, stronger man. And he knew how to hold people down. And he did enough just to win. That's why Demetrius Johnson lost that fight. TJ, on the other hand, is, you know, Division One All-American. You know, he is a very, very good college wrestler. And most of his fights, if he's <clears> not <down throat> knocking people out, you look at the Lineker fight. You know, he held down a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and beat him up hard. He broke his jaw, you know, just keeping him down. So he's not just a guy that knows how to hold people down and keep them down. He knows how to beat you up during it, and I think TJ Dillashaw is better, at least in the ground, uh, than Dominic Cruz, and I'd like to see the same thing against uh, Demetrius Johnson. I think that same outcome would happen. I think DJ would lose that that next fight to TJ just because, you know, the stand-up would be 50-50. You know, Demetrius Johnson never fought someone like TJ. I think DJ's just a little bit faster. I would hope he's faster being the smaller guy, but... I think once, you know, TJ grabs a hold of him, I, I think that's just a whole different game, and uh, I, I think TJ just just beats him up because of it.
0: Right. <coughs> Wholeheartedly agree, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, and, as and, much as I want to just, see that fight, I'm you know, picking TJ Yeah, And that's TJ just
3: also. me looking at, you know, the past fights. That's just, that's just not me going, oh, TJ's my friend? TJ. You know, so uh, I, I, I really try to break that one down, but I'm, I'm going to go with TJ just because of the wrestling. I think the stand-up goes back and forth just because, man, they both move so much. They're both ridiculously fast. But uh, I'm I'm going to go with, you know, TJ on, on the straight advantage, the size, and just muscling guys. I mean, he's fought some really, really big 35ers. You know, so, you know, uh, going that, down to 25, which I know he can, going down to 25 would be just epic to see him do
4: That's a good
0: answer. No no I like I like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got got any other last questions, Stokes? Um,
1: I guess. Whoa, is trying to become a two-weight champion in the UFC one of your goals, or do you think you'll um, stick around 125?
3: Yeah, you know, I. You know, it's crazy because my ultimate goal is is to be a hero. You know, I've always said I don't care if I win, I lose. As long as I'm inspiring people throughout the day, that that's all that matters to me. So when I turned professional, I thought just as an amateur, you know, just fight. That's it. Fight, 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 and you'll get somewhere eventually. But when I just accepted every single fight, I don't know or I'm, you know, creating history as an amateur, and I'm now, you know, being one of the fastest two belt champions, or I I think right now the fastest two belt champion that's defended both of them at six and zero. You know, so when I got my title call third fight, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, okay, cool, yeah, I'll take the fight. I thought this was just kind of like a regular thing, you know. And when I just kept on winning and winning, all these people started saying, man, you got all these accolades, just doing this. I was like, oh, uh, I was just doing another day at work. I was just here doing what I was told to do. So I never expected as a pro to be like, oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win two belts or I'm gonna be the flyweight champion. I was just like, man, it, maybe it'll take me five, six fights to. You know, to get a title shot, and, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. If I lose, I lose. If I win, I win, you know. So uh, it's it's crazy to see how much time has passed, you know, for me as an amateur just starting out because I look back at the film, and, God, I was horrible. But, um, <laughs> just, oh, man, it's so horrible. Actually, some guy showed, <laughs> some guy showed me, like, drilling a combination, uh, like, five years ago, and I was just like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> and I showed the kids at my gym because they tell me, to like, shorty but you were just naturally a prodigy i was like oh no god no dude look you know watch this like you're better than me right now you know so it's i never expected any of this it was just i worked hard you know and i kept my head straight up and i kept on pushing forward and it just so happened that you know all these opportunities kept on being given to me and i never shied away from the opportunities yeah you know, i kept taking them taking them and taking them and you know i'm, I'm the champ champ in a sense of you know tight MC and Hopefully, you know, in the UFC if the opportunity comes to where I'm able to win both belts, nevertheless just one, I think that's that's awesome. Whether it's you know the first year, second year, third year, I'm just doing my job and fighting and, and putting an entertaining show just so happens that all these belts are being put in front of me.
0: Uh, and
1: you're up. gonna take the belt from Mighty Mouse and TJ.
0: And I'm thinking it. <laughs> <clears throat> That's
1: it. That's that's overall moral story. I'm both. <laughs>
3: i oh, taking both that's belts, so awesome. I'm doing boxing, never coming back. That's it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: oh, man. Loma Tango
1: Make it happen. <laughs> that's it. Right.
3: That's it. I'm going to lose. All right. I do, I, I'll do one round. I'm still getting paid, though, right? So that's it. I lost. Right. I lost. I, I'm, no mas. You beat me. No mas, Janko. That's it. And, and I'm done. I got paid $100 million. And I'm, and I'm just going to talk smack in the sideline for a good while. Okay, sounds, sounds perfect <laughs> oh
0: man um <laughs> uh, that was a great that was a great final answer <laughs> to, i guess to uh close out uh normally before we close out the podcast um well, we always do our parting shots and shout outs so if you want to anything you want to mention um anybody you want to shout out or recognize uh we'll just <sighs> go around and give our last little shout-outs before we close. Um, I'll just kick it off. I'm trying to get the page to load for my shout-out, because I want to get this lady's name right. Um, I know you <coughs> watched the fight last night, uh, Gav. Uh, Loma the Invicta fight at the uh, top. Yeah, Loma Lumbumi. Yeah. I think Loma Lumbumi. I think that's how you say it. Um, I'll give a parting shout-outs to her. Um, I was not Familiar with her, card. Um, she fought on the Invicta card last night. She had something like three hundred Thai fights. Yeah. Before, um, so
4: <laughs> she. So I'm surprised they didn't bring this up during the card. But she's literally the best female Thai, like Muay Thai fighter, in Thailand. So I- I'm not sure why they didn't bring
0: it up during the card. But she's legitimately one of the best strikers on the planet. Yeah, she <laughs> um she put on a very strong, <laughs> like. Clinch clinic on oh, I can't remember the um uh, the person that she fought uh, but, Melissa um, Wang yeah she really just <laughs> just like godly just clinch strength like she <sighs> she tossed Melissa around like she was a little kid it was it was really crazy to watch so um yeah shoutouts to her I'm I'm pretty sure Invicta will be bringing her back um and I guess really shout shoutouts to Invicta in general like that that was the first Invicta card I've been able to sit down and watch uh, for a while now that I have Fight Pass at least for seven days. I'll see how I feel about paying a month, uh 9.99 a month in a couple of days. But <laughs> for now, um, it, it was a really good event. So, shout out to Invicta. Always, uh, from what I see, putting on great cards. And uh, that that was a, a pretty awesome card. And uh, I guess last shout-out, I uh, did see that Pat Haley retired, I think. Yes. Yes? Uh, he had a fight in ACB that he lost by TKO. And uh, he retired uh, after it was over. So uh, best wishes to him and uh, future endeavors. And uh, last uh, to our guest, uh, Jose Shorty Torres. This, this caught me up while I was at work. He was like, hey, <laughs> I'm at my desk. coming on, man. This, this was awesome.
3: Yeah, no problem, man.
0: And uh, uh, if you guys got any last uh, shout outs, uh, you can. That's uh, really so a shout out to our guest. The future
1: UFC one twenty five and one thirty five champion. We're taking them
2: all.
1: Huh? <laughs> 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 yeah, just thanks again, that's all I gotta say.
4: Um uh, shout out to uh Caressa Shields. Um defended her IBF and WBC title on Friday, I wanna say. Yeah, uh, on the Showtime main event. Beat the crap out of a uh, Tor Nelson who's actually a solid fighter, so big one for her. Uh, and and shout out to um Curtis Melender. Who also fought Oh, that head kick. Yeah. Ooh. Who absolutely demolished um was Nick Barnes at uh, in the main event of L F A thirty on Friday. Um uh, nice head kick. I think it was the second one in a row.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
0: So Bellator should have never let him go. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since they let him go, he's just been Head kicking people into oblivion. So, uh, you might get the UFC call, hopefully. And thanks again,
4: um, Jose Shorey Torres, for coming on the show.
3: Man, I've never been thanked so much. I feel special.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're our very first uh, official guest. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so when, when you when you make it to the UFC and you take both belts, we can be like, Yeah, we, we were cool with that guy before <laughs> you guys knew. Him. We called it. <laughs> right, we called it. <laughs> you, 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 you got, you're
3: gonna call me up like that?
0: Who these guys?
3: I've
1: never <laughs> <laughs> it's fake it's fake, fake news, man. Fake news.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got uh she wanna get in?
3: Uh, yeah, man. It's, you know, I, I appreciate everyone supporting me and, you know, you guys have me on the show. It's, it's definitely a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I, I do say we can, we will together. We are Team Shorty. That's why I say without anybody's support, anybody's, you know, uh, just help me out in the long run. I definitely wouldn't be the person I am today. And, you know, I can be the best person in the world, but if no one knows me, then, you know, what am I really worth? So I appreciate everyone helping me out. You know, please visit TeamShorty.com, purchase some apparel. Ships worldwide. Twenty percent of earnings go to the kids in my gym to uh, train and compete. So it really, doesn't just help me and my training camps, but helps a lot of kids come up and possibly give them the opportunity to change their lives. And um, you know, people want to follow me: Instagram Jose Shorty Torres, Twitter Shorty Torres one two five, and Facebook Jose Shorty Torres with quotations around Shorty. And I really appreciate all the help, guys. Thank you so much.
0: No problem, man. It's been a been a pleasure. Uh, Before we leave, as always, got to give the last plugs. Uh, You are listening to the Dojo Talk Podcast. We can be found on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes. If you're on iTunes, please rate and subscribe. Uh, We are also on Google Play. If you have emails, uh, questions, concerns, if you're mad at something we said and you want to cuss me out in the inbox, dojotalkpodcast at yahoo.com. You can send your questions, to. And, uh, yeah, man, that's that's about it, man. Uh, Once again, thank you to Jose Shorty-Torres. Best of luck in your upcoming fight next month. If you guys want to watch it, um, Fight Pass, you can do a free 7-day trial. So you can sign up for, to watch the fight. And um, yeah, man, this has been another episode of the Dojo Talk Podcast. 2018, it started off pretty awesome. And until next time, we will catch you guys later. Peace.